0: You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint.
1: Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? We are back with episode 81.
0: So episode 81, basically a lot of this will be covering kind of the new bill that everybody's kind of talking about, especially in our area. I've seen it on Poker News and everywhere. But uh, it is the one proposed for... It's Texas House Bill 732. And what it is, it's looking to kind of shut down the poker rooms in Texas. But to kind of have an idea of how this is going to do, a lot of people aren't actually from Texas. So you kind of have to know how poker rooms operate in texas because it's different than the rest of the country uh so casinos and all of that are actually illegal in texas there is no gambling uh so what poker we don't have poker rooms in casinos we have poker rooms outside of it like the lodge which function only as poker because casino, because gambling is illegal, poker is legal, but it's done by more stringent rules than a lot of other places.
1: Right. The loopholes and gray areas on the current bill or how it's currently worded.
0: Exactly. So you can play poker, but it has to be in a private place, which is why these clubs have a membership of a, a membership fee. You do an application and basically it's their own private club. Uh... Uh, one of the other ways is poker cannot be; it cannot take a rake from the game. They cannot have no financial interest in that, in that game. So, what poker clubs do is they charge by the hour in Texas. They do not rake the games. At least, well, I, there's illegal clubs everywhere that will do something, but the legitimate clubs that are trying to do it legally are doing it hour. Will take an hourly. Uh, fee, they will not rake the game. So, what this bill is looking to do and how it's looking to affect the poker economy in Texas is it's changing the wording of these how these loopholes go. It's looking to be instead and change it from a private place to a place of residence. So, basically, you could have, like, in someone's house, but it could not be in, like, a private social club. So,
1: that would kill all poker, basically.
0: Yeah, basically, just by changing this wording, is looking to basically kind of destroy this gigantic economy that's grown in Texas. You know, funding thousands of jobs, uh making a poker, which has been going... I mean, literally everybody knows it's been going on forever and a day, but making it safer for people, uh, like I say, creating a lot of legitimate jobs, creating, you know, tax money. uh, It would force it all underground again. Uh, So this is problematic if you're a poker player, but that's what this bill looks to do. Uh, It's done... It's actually sponsored by Gene Wu, who is a a house representative out of Houston. So we are now, if I were to kind of ask you to guess on like where he might be in Houston, where would you think would have the most effect as far as poker wise goes? At
1: first I was thinking somewhere near one of the poker rooms at, um, not competition, but somewhere, um, near one of the rooms. But, I guess you said it was near probably, uh, what I guess the old 52 Social and Legends.
0: Yeah. So he is, his area, so this area is over, his district he represents includes Legends and the old 52 Social, which is now 101 Richmond. Yep. Uh, so anybody who doesn't know, like, we didn't have these poker rooms until probably about, Mm, probably about eight years ago, maybe. I thought it was even less than that. Maybe even less than that, but the for one, of the first ones that came up as one of the biggest clubs was Prime Social, uh, here in Houston at least, and it was gigantic. People, uh, people were loving this. It was just the place to go. For actually, I remember when we started this podcast. I think we had a question in one of our first episodes: is could prime ever be brought down as the biggest one in houston because it was so far ahead of everyone else
1: yep no i do remember that because like you and i said it's like the closest thing to a casino experience or the environment the niceness and it was jam-packed 24 7
0: yeah it was just gigantic so prime is like i say like all of houston like i mean depend when you get down there it's not like Cypress Woodlands. Uh, but Westheimer is more of a trendier, kind of nicer part, I would say, with at least less crime than the surrounding areas by it, right?
1: And there's definitely some nice areas over there.
0: Yeah. Right. So. So Prime is in this like very nice, trendy area. Well, they open one down the street. It's not that far away, but it's in a way less nice area, and it's called Fifty Two Social. It's, uh but they charge way less it, at this time at this time which was a couple of years ago it was $16 an hour to play at prime uh they charged 10 at 52 social so you can as you can tell a lot of people ended up going over there it's way less money to play there so they ended up going and doing that but it was not as near of a nice area on the good side, I would say the security at 52 Social was really good.
1: Yes, I had a ton of security always in the parking lot, always in the rooms, so, everywhere.
0: So that kind of counteracted this. A lot of people didn't like the area, but there was a ton of security. I don't remember any issues ever really at 52 Social when I was playing there.
1: No, I cannot think I mean, of any.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I can't I can't swear that there wasn't one. Uh, I wasn't there 24-7, but is I did play there a lot. And don't ever remember. And you played there even more than I did. Yeah, that's what I was saying.
1: I played there even more than you. And I
0: never um, remember anything, at least. So, now, a lot of people remember the big story of Johnny Chan buying this 52 Social uh, poker room. It was a gigantic story in a around here in Houston. What ends up happening is that, at least by rumor, I don't know the entire details, I will go with but I know. There's a poker room that, com- that opened up as competition very close by. Uh, a lot of people say it was the same people who sold it. I don't know for a fact. I mean, that's all hearsay yeah. as far as I know.
1: But 100% competition opened up across the street.
0: The Now, as you go down Richmond, it gets worse. It's It's very kind of a sketchy neighborhood. It gets even worse, and this one opened up with far less security than the original 52 Social at least.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it went from having people patrolling the parking lot up in that, like, um, crow's nest thing watching over the parking lot to just one random dude standing by the door. Yeah. Not even really in the parking lot.
0: So, this poker room... Did throw out a lot of money. They threw out a lot of incentives, and they took a lot of business from the old Fifty Two Social, which then became Johnny Chan's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and later on, they had some security issues. Someone tried to rob it. The uh, I believe the gun went off. The security guard actually apprehended him, and he I'm sure ended up going to jail. I mean, I don't I did not follow up with the story. I did post the uh, story of you know just giving the security guard credit for what he did in there. Uh, but there were a couple other incidences. It's a, like I say, a very sketchy area, a very sketchy neighborhood, and there were a couple shootings. I don't think that were within the club. I think they came from outside and ended up, like, going through the windows at some point. I did I did read that, yes. So, uh, and eventually... They did a couple things to help security over by Legends, but let's say, I mean, when you open up a business like that in that area, there's there's issues that could be, I mean, if you don't have really good security, there's issues that will pop up.
1: No, absolutely.
0: Uh, so what this is, is this person, but this area has been not a great area for years and years and years and years. This is somebody basically using poker as a scapegoat for an area that's been crime-ridden for years and just in a bad part of Houston. I mean, if it's not the poker that is the cause of it, poker, because I've been to poker rooms all across Houston and seen almost no incidences in any other poker rooms. Uh, I mean, you name it, and I've just... I mean, there's an occasional argument, but that's pretty much it. I've never seen, I've never, uh, thousands of hours, I've never seen anybody, the cops be called out on just almost any of these things. Uh, I have heard of people, you know, getting robbed at some point. I mean, when you know you have money or something, but that's usually away from the poker room. And there, whenever you leave and, you know, you have money on you, I mean, you should always use common sense and let, you know, kind of be aware of your surroundings. So, it's a, uh, but like I say, it's just kind of using this as a scapegoat for the the, the district that this uh, occurs. Do you agree?
1: I believe so. Um, I haven't actually seen much of what he, other than what you've told me, I don't know as much as you do right now. I haven't seen, I don't know as much information, so. It's a, From what you're saying, I it sounds accurate. Yes,
0: I mean that's the gist of it. But I mean the big thing is is basically being aware of who's sponsoring it and who's gonna who is in your district and who's gonna vote for it. Because we were talking about this at the poker table the other day over at Prime, and there's a lot of poker players, and you can make your votes count, but you're also thinking like. Maybe 20, 30,000 in the state versus millions upon millions of people. So I know, like Carol Alvarado, I think is coming out against this bill. There's a lot of chance this bill never even gets brought to the uh, attention because a lot of times the Texas legislature is just slow to uh, get into things. But that is kind of the story for people who don't know, who are people who are not in Texas or not in Houston that's kind of this bill it's not really it really has nothing to do with poker as much as just using poker as a scapegoat
1: so i guess the next question is what can a what can we do
0: uh well i mean what we can do is very little at this point i mean i would say this i would pay attention to who votes i mean you can always send a letter in to your, the person who represents your district because they will vote. And, I mean, a lot of people say it doesn't matter, but I will say, the, I mean, every time I've sent a letter in to a re- representative, I've gotten a letter back whenever I've done that. And at least make them aware of what where you stand and what you want because, I mean, they are representing you. Uh, and pay attention to who votes, I mean, and how they vote. If your representative is going against this, then, I mean, I'd be more likely to vote for them in the coming election. And if they go, you know, if they go for this bill, which, like I say, does literally nothing but take thousands upon thousands of jobs out of the economy, make it way more dangerous for people who enjoy a hobby that really, I mean, like I say, adds to their life, then they should get punished. They should have people vote against them.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's good to raise awareness for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a so it's really like, but like I say, a lot of people know of the bill but didn't know the backstory. I don't even know if that's the backstory. I know all, but putting everything together about who's representing the bill, what district they represent, it seems like that is basically the uh, deal. Is basically what they're doing. But like I say, I mean, poker playing it all across Houston, all across Texas. I've gone to rooms in Austin. Uh, never been to San Antonio, which I do want to go to. Uh, but it's very safe. I mean, I I go to any poker room at almost any hour of the night for the most part, and at least 95% of them I feel perfectly fine.
1: Oh, I mean, you know, I used to start my poker sessions at 1130 at night. So, I mean, I've always felt safe. So,
0: Yeah, so... Uh, It's so, yeah, like I say, but that's the history of it. So I wanted everybody to have a knowledge of that. And I mean, we can kind of go back into our normal, like how of the podcast of just kind of BSing and like (laughs) how we did. But, uh, that was kind of the, uh, deal. I guess
1: I'll have to keep a close eye on it and give us some updates as, um, more information comes out.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I did do a session at Prime last night. Uh let me see did I cover Capri?
1: No, definitely not. No, cuz it was Friday uh, night. Yeah, I'm...
0: that's right. Uh I'm I'll skim over Capri. I know PLO is not the uh, favorite of all of the listeners, but most of all the big hands were kind of PLO type hands. Uh there was one PLO hand it was super multi-way. I have like queen, queen, nine, ten, maybe? Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's a it's very multi-way. Uh, and the the one queen is, oh no, I king, queen. King, queen, queen. Ten? Ten, yeah, that's correct. Uh, ends up going like $15, like the entire table calls.
1: <laughs> Which is the nature blow.
0: Yeah, it might have been even more. It's a uh, so it ends up nine. I think it was even more than that. I think it might have been like thirty because I remember this. The first bet was very small into the pot, so let's say about thirty dollars pre-flop. The entire table calls probably eight ways. Uh, the flop kind of whiffs. There's somebody who's that's what it was. Somebody, uh, one or two were all in. And ended up, like, all-ins. Like, when I called 15, they were all-in for, like, 60. So, we have this gigantic pot. It flops jack high. Literally have nothing going. I have backdoor diamond. Backdoor second nut flush draw. An overpair. And some backdoor straight stuff. Uh, A player bets 50 into the pot. Another player calls. This is a tiny bet into this pot. It's probably like one eighth. I make a speculative call. <laughs>
1: this is very speculative.
0: Yeah. Uh but I'm like, well, let's see what happens. I do have an overpair. I do have a uh, some backdoor stuff. And uh
1: But at least your backdoor stuff is seems like it's drawing to the very nutted hands, very nutted straights at least, right?
0: Yeah. So, like I say, very speculative. It's not, it's not going to be a good... You're not going to win this 50% of the time. But do I win it one sixth of the time? Maybe. Uh, the turn is a really good card for me, creating uh, giving me the, the second nut flush draw. Uh, it goes check, check, check. Uh, I bink the, uh, fl- the second nut flush on the river. It goes check, check. I bet 100... They both fold. Uh, there's a ton of people all in. And then, like, one thing I just love hearing is a guy across the table is like, man, I folded the nut flush. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm like, well, then I got the nuts. <laughs> so uh end up with King High Flush takes a down a gigantic pot. So he folded a suited ace there? Apparently so, yeah. Hmm. Well, he's one non-speculative call
1: resulted in him. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it resulted in you winning. Yeah. God, that would have been a disaster for you.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Because at that point, once I hit the back door, I'm never going anywhere. Well, with what the pot was. To well, my, for that uh, size. Yeah, for yeah. my SPR, it was, yeah, I was just in it. Uh, So, I ended up getting into another hand where, man, it was a g- really good, uh, it was something like a rundown. It was like king, queen, jack, ten almost. Uh, I have two spades. Pretty decent-sized uh, pre-flop bet, I call. The flop comes out giving me... God, it was... I think it was like 8-9 with two spades. I mean... Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was... I had the second nut flush draw. It, actually, it was even better than that. I had a second nut flush draw, and I had a complete wrap. I bet the guy goes all in on top of me for like I think my bet was pop for like forty or fifty. Uh, he goes all in for two hundred. I obviously snap call. Uh, I call. I'm like I have a second nut flush draw and a wrap. I don't know what you have. You want to run it twice? He's like sure. I end up binking the nut straight up top and then hitting the straight flush on the bottom.
1: Oh god.
0: So, it was a very good session. I was positive a little over I was a little over 500. Like I was positive like 550, 580, something like that.
1: Taking that every day of the week, right? So,
0: especially with the next session we're about to cover. Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to need that 580 because this one not so great. And these are all hold 'em hands that end up going in there. Uh, I had, I go to Prime last night and get into a game, probably not the best game. Everybody is one of those games where everybody kind of felt like they kind of had an idea of what they were doing. Uh, but I drove down there and then I'm there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) We've been in that situation before. Once you're there, you're kind of,
0: yeah, I mean, I guess it wasn't like the toughs. There was enough limping that it wasn't the toughest game, but nobody was. You weren't getting it, away. it all in light. Oh, If you got it all in, it was not going to be light. You can say that that way. Uh, I end up with an ace deuce of diamonds. I call a preflop raise. Hit the ace. The flop was ace nine f- five. Uh, two diamonds. Uh. Player bets. I obviously call here. Uh, There's another call behind me. Me and you talk about this a lot as far as how to play these hands. Uh, I feel like I like the call. Do you like the call here?
1: You you just hit. You're just on a flush draw, right?
0: And top pair with the ace. With the shittiest kicker in the deck.
1: Right, right. Um... Hmm. So how deep are you?
0: Uh, at this point, I would have been like maybe about three hundred. I guess deep. how
1: effective are you? Three hundred effective. Yeah, everyone covers you. Um, I'm only calling here three hundred effective.
0: Okay, because I mean this is one of those where well, when, when I have the ace, I have enough showdown value. I feel like I don't need to bluff.
1: But here's my thought as well, though: is three hundred effective? You're gonna have no problem getting all the money in most of the time. That's true. Right, if you're fifteen hundred effective, I like a raise on this flop, if because how are you going to play for stacks if you drill your nut flush, right, or um, whatever you you know your nutted hand here, that getting three hundred all in is going to be way easier. You need to be more aggressive whenever you're a little bit deeper stacked. I think.
0: I mean, that's fair. I could. Uh, I mean, I do believe you're right in your theory of it's going to be hard to get it all in if you hit a flush with. And you're just calling here Uh, if you're like 800, 900 effective.
1: Right. And then you also have your fold equity. You can make some moves the more, the deeper you are.
0: Well, and yeah, and like hands like ace 10 might be a little more nervous about calling three streets if they're, you know, I mean, now you have some, uh, yeah, some bluff equity against these lesser aces. Or not lesser yeah. aces than yours, but lesser. I mean, ace, I'm not trying to get people off ace king. trying to get people off of ace nine, ace ten. Exactly. Uh, so I make the call. Uh, the turn is a blank. He bets again.
1: I'm still only calling.
0: Uh, I still make yeah. the call. I mean. But
1: what I'm saying I'm never raising. I'm never folding. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's, I think it was only like 40 or something. 40, 45 or something like that. So I was getting really good pot odds here too. Uh, the other guy behind me calls as well which also maybe a flush draw. I mean, if he's got a less of a flush draw, it could be very profitable. Uh the river is one of the more interesting rivers I could get. It's an ace. Uh the player bets two f- the preflop raiser bets 250. Huh. Uh
1: I mean, I sure do hate that you're holding the the missed flush draw in your hand, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, here's the problem being is I have like 140 into a pot of pretty big. Gotcha. It's just just a snap call then. I end up pretty much making a snap call. I'm like now, well, I mean, not only that, like I'm not loving trip aces here, but I will say like now that the trip aces, my my, I think my kicker improved to like a eight or a nine. Versus, I mean, still trash. I mean, yeah, still trash. But if I was against like eight ace seven, ace five suited then now we're chopping.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm worried. I mean, any ACC, I'm pretty sure you're going to lose to. But,
0: yes. yeah, um,
1: I mean, that is very I, – I mean, it is a positive. Just minor, I would I would say. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, we're
0: looking for <laughs> s- small percentages here. I mean, I'm
1: still just snap calling with my uh, stack-to-pot ratio here and just yeah. whatever happens happens at this point.
0: Uh, the other guy folds, and then that guy shows, rolls over pocket nines for a river boat. It's a bummer. That's a bummer. It's a, really a bummer because I think I'm, I'm folding pretty much any non diamond there. Any non diamond, or like, I guess a two, I call with two pair, hoping that someone's got ace king. But, I mean, any non diamond, I actually just fold there. So it was kind of a really, a, the cooler was really on the river.
1: Oh, 100%. Uh,
0: I end up rebuying after that hand. Oh, go for it.
1: One thing I've noticed in these situations, I've been in a situation like this where I'm on the flush draw and end up hitting like a hand kind of just like that. This happened to me at to this happened to me at Texas Card House Austin. And I called it off just like you did. And um I remember thinking like same exact situation basically that uh, I missed my flush draw and I was like, "Well, maybe he was on a lesser flush draw" kind of thing and that hand always end up being so nutty whenever you're on the big draw and they're betting like that. Oh yeah. So that I did take a mental note of that um, a few years ago too.
0: That's a good, definitely a good note to take. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, uh, that was pretty much the only. So what happened there is I ended up buying in again. I got whittled down. I then went on a lot of a pretty big run. And I mean, they were nothing big. They were me uh, three betting and taking pots down. Because uh, for this wasn't the toughest table. There's very little three betting, and there was a, there was limping. Uh, it was just, I guess, a tight table. It's like kind of an old man coffee table kind of.
1: Well, those tables are kind of nice because you can just call for fifteen and know you're not going to get punished.
0: That's true. That's how this was. Because that's for sure one of the
1: biggest differences whenever you move up in stakes is whenever it goes 15, call, 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 call. That person is s- squeezing you guys so often.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. That, like on the really tough tables.
1: Yeah, that for sure is where I noticed the biggest uh, change.
0: Uh, so ended up going to, whatchamacallit, uh, doing a lot of three betting, uh, hits top pair and getting paid off pretty good on some of those. And I ended up making a really good comeback here, and I'm almost back to even. And I mean there's really no interesting about this. I fl- I have pocket deuces, I flop a set, and someone had pocket fours and flopped a bigger set.
1: Yeah, I mean like that was like that one hand whenever I I've set over set you. It's not a um skill thing. It's just a that's a situation that's gonna arise whenever you flop a set and they flop a set.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just one of those. Uh
1: so it's too bad like a four-card flushing come in, or you could have folded or something. Oh, man, yeah. Like a savior.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. It was a, uh, so it was kind of a, I mean, these sessions don't tilt me as much as others. Uh,
1: Well, like you said, a server set is going to happen, and, I mean, that's that's just part of the game right there, you know, so.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, that's, it's just part of poker. It's, like, I get tilted on the ones where I know I could have played better. I actually thought I played pretty good on this session, and it was just one of those sessions you just weren't designed to win. I mean, if you get set over set, it does not feel like it. Uh, (laughs) I remember that also happened to me at Texas Cardhouse Austin. I was like, I have a
1: set. He's like, I too have a set. I was like, oh, no, I have bottom set. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was in the same situation where I had made a big comeback and then just got stacked for everything at the last hand.
0: Yeah, it was. That basically
1: what happened to you? You Got stacked for everything here?
0: Oh, yeah, I got stacked for it all. Uh, We. I just. It went. It was a pretty big uh, multi-way pot in the floppy. He bets small. There's a call. I. Super dry board. Jack four deuce. uh, No flush draw. I just call. I'm like, well, there's no card I'm really scared of in the deck. A five comes out, which was not my best card I wanted to see. But I don't know. If you. Hit a random gutter like this, and I'm just okay with it. Uh, what got weird was the guy bet small, and then the guy made it 200. I mean, I thought about just calling for a minute, but I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, once I once I call this 200, I am very like I had like four, like 425 behind. I mean. If someone's on, like, a pair and a draw or something, I was like, well, it seems like I should just get the money in here right now. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I hadn't played in Prime a long time. Really did enjoy it. Uh, The people there, the, the table was real friendly. A lot of good conversation as far as, like, sports. We talked about that bill quite a bit and the you know the positives and you know the, uh well mostly the negatives of that bill say, I
1: was like bring up some of the positives why don't you
0: yeah it's uh <laughs> the uh and tried to kind of debate that a little bit uh so it was a really good time uh prime brought in raising canes and uh had a good meal out of that so it was a really nice time over at prime I wish I would have won but it's they, uh,
1: <laughs> the table enjoyed you being there yeah i mean you know what i
0: was there for the table uh, but it was, like I say, I hadn't been there in a while, and I'll, I'll probably go back, because I really did have an uh, enjoyable experience, and it had been a minute since I've been there.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I guess, did, did you play another session, or was that it? Because I know we're recording pretty early this week.
0: Uh, that's that's it for this week. I mean, that Capri session. Uh, Capri was kind of bumping a little bit. Oh, That's a new poker room over in the Clear Lake area. Uh, so it was... Was kind of nice. It was a more a much better table with a lot of newer players than it. Uh, so that made it nice. Uh,
1: How many tables did they have running there when you went there?
0: The uh, Capri, mm, not that many. They had a tournament going on, and then so I don't. It's always hard to tell when the tournament's going on. I think there was only, I think there might have been just I think one or two. One was PLO. There was definitely a PLO table. And there were two tables of Hold'em when I got there, and they just broke one. But while I was there, they started another one. Shoot.
1: Isn't it crazy how popular PLO got? I mean, is it just me, or does it seem like that got popular, like, overnight?
0: Uh, I think so. I mean, it just got I mean,
1: was it always popular? But, I mean, I remember in Prime, back in the day, did they have PLO going way back, or...?
0: Yeah, it even, seemed like it
1: just took fire, and just everyone wanted to play.
0: Uh, it definitely gained more popularity. I mean, in Prime, definitely had PLO, but I like a lot of the other places it would just hold them. Now, I mean, there's places it's hard to find hold them. It's just a lot of it's more PLO than anything. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I don't hate PLO. Uh, I prefer hold them, but I guess you know it's a. There's no other gambling in Texas, so that creates... I mean, I think that just gets all the action people who just want to be able to gamble.
1: Oh, no, I agree with that for sure. But, um, yeah, very interesting how it just... Like I said, I mean, just caught fire and just... I mean, as... I don't want to say taken over, but definitely a big chunk of the poker.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say I think Hold'em is still more popular, but I would say it's like... I mean, whereas... The rest of the country, it's like 90 10. Here, it's probably like 60 40 or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would even say 90 10 is generous. <laughs> like uh, yeah, in uh, Vegas? Because didn't you just find only a 1 2 game last time you were in Vegas?
0: Oh, no. PLO will ha- they have it, but they only have it at the uh, like certain ones, like Aria and I think Bellagio and stuff like that. Whereas you can find Hold'em everywhere in Vegas. Or
1: PLO. PLO.
0: Well, you can find Hold'em everywhere in Vegas.
1: Okay, okay. So you're saying. But what else? What
0: certain casinos at PLO for the most part that run it consistently.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I mean, I didn't even get to get to play any because I'm going to be working. So, and we had to record early. So.
0: Well, well. I mean, uh,
1: unless you have anything else to cover.
0: We'll have to get you on the felt very quickly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, right. Uh, but well, I no, guess have
1: everyone had to have a good Thanksgiving. By the time you hear this, it'll be Thanksgiving. Yeah if, you're, <laughs> yeah, if you're
0: listening to this the day it comes out, it will be Thanksgiving. So definitely have a happy Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I guess on that note, we'll talk to you next week.
0: <laughs> that was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.